We're getting close to wrapping up our journey through 1 Thessalonians. Uh, we started a section of 1 Thessalonians with chapter 4 that deals with the subject of sanctification. We're working through chapter 5, coming to the conclusion of that. This week and next week we'll wrap it up. And then on September the 21st we'll start into Revelation. I'm excited about that. And uh, I want to remind you that as we have jumped into this subject of sanctification in chapter 4 and working through it completely through chapter 5, that the idea of sanctification might be summarized in the phrase, there is better to come. The best is yet to come. And uh, that really captures this idea of sanctification from the standpoint of, we believe because of the grace of Christ that something better is on its way. The best is yet to come. So think about it like this. If I look back at the last 10 years of my life, and I think about my relationship with the Lord 10 years ago, I think about my relationship with Lindley 10 years ago, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with you guys, the place of our church 10 years ago. And I think about, okay, over the last 10 years, now here I am today, what's happened in these 10 years? The the grace of God has been poured out on my life every day the last 10 years. And when I look back, over those 10 years, and I think about where I am today, my relationship with the Lord is different than it was 10 years ago. My relationship with you is different than it was 10 years ago. My relationship with Lindley is different than it was 10 years ago. And when I think about what is it that's brought about that difference over these 10 years, it's the grace of God just being poured out of my life every single day so that now, 10 years later, I have 10 years of God's grace being poured on my life that has impacted who I am today so that today I'm waiting on the return of Jesus Christ a little bit differently than I did 10 years ago. It's all because of God's grace. And so here I am waiting for Christ, having seen all this grace, and I'm saying, if all of this has brought this into my life now, I am really, really looking forward to the fact that the best is yet to come. And so sanctification is that experience of God's grace being poured out in your life so that you can wait on Christ better and better each and every day for the rest of your lives, each day knowing that the grace of God will meet you where you are for the rest of your life, pointing you to the return of Christ because the best is really yet to come. If you look at chapter 4 and 5, we're introduced to this section of sanctification with the phrase in verse 3 of chapter 4, This is God's will for your life, your sanctification. This is what God wants for you. He wants you to experience the outpouring of His grace every single day so you are more ready for Jesus Christ to return the closer you get to His return. This is God's will for your life. And then he begins to unpack several issues related to the concept of sanctification. The big one that he brings out, first of all, is sexual immorality. You're abstained from sexual immorality. In other words, you are to eliminate these threats against your relationship with God so that you might be a receptor of God's grace that brings you to the place you're waiting more and more on Christ. So abstain from sexual immorality because that's going to damage your relationship with God. This is your sanctification that you wait on Jesus Christ, experiencing Him more and more as you wait for Him to return. Then he deals with the issue of brotherly love. You need to love one another. You need to excel at this. Then he talks about the importance of grieving with hope. 
You know, we're going to be sorry, we're going to be sad over people who die in our lives, but we can grieve with hope. We can have that sadness in light of hope. And this is about your sanctification. Then he goes into making sure that you're sober and awake in your life spiritually so that you're ready for the return of Christ. And he encourages us to encourage one another with these words of encouragement, waiting on Jesus Christ. Then he goes into the section of making sure you acknowledge your pastor's and love them beyond measure. Again, because sanctification is in mind. This is for your sanctification. Then he gets in chapter 5 to verse 14, and we're going to see this series of commands, just one after another. We kind of have these bombshells. We've gone through chapter 4, the beginning of chapter 5. Sexual immorality, boom, blows up on us. And love one another, boom, blows up. And we just get these, you know, week to week. And now we're just going to get this machine gun, boom, 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 these, these commands. And be like, we're going to be like, whoa, slow down. How in the world do we do all this stuff? So let's jump into these commands and let's take a look at these. They're just going to flow all the way through the end of First Thessalonians here. We're going to be able to group them into three groups. And so we're going to start with reading group number one this morning. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 14, we encourage you, brothers, admonish the undisciplined, encourage or comfort the faint-hearted, take interest or help the weak, and be patient with everyone. See to it that no one pays back evil for evil to anyone, but pursue Always what is good for each other and for everyone. If you're here today for the very first time, you're new to Southside, maybe you've only been here a couple of times, and you're sitting there wondering, what kind of church is Southside? I mean, what, what really makes this place tick? What, what kind of people are at Southside? Well, I'm so thankful that the text today has given us instruction and guidance into understanding what kind of people make Southside Baptist Church. So let's just walk through this again, verse 14. Admonish the undisciplined, the unruly. So we are a people, um, some of whom are unruly and undisciplined. Is this encouraging to you new folks? Um, We are people who are um, faint-hearted, about to give up. There's some of those here today. There are some who are weak among us, those who need help. If they don't get help, they're not going to move forward. There are people here this morning that are really hard to be patient with. There are people here that are going to do things that are mean and evil, painful and hurtful. Then there are people here that if they're not commanded to do this, if if just naturally they're not going to admonish anyone. They're not going to care if you're not doing what's right. There are people here that naturally will not find encouraging the discouraged something that really sounds fun to them. They'd just rather not encourage anybody. There are going to be people here that, if not commanded, will not take an interest in the week at all. People here that don't find patience with people that are irritable, something they prefer. They don't want to be patient with anybody. And then there are people here who are incredibly um, bent towards retaliation. Somebody does something wrong to me, I'm going to make sure they get it back from me. So, 
Welcome to Southside Baptist Church. The good news for you and all of us is this is a description of who inhabits every church. And you could really summarize this by saying that people who are familiar with sin make up the church of God. And what I love about this passage is that we're given a series of commands. God gives his people who are familiar with sin, their own sin, a set of commands that should remind us of his grace. Because the only way that people like this can obey commands like this is if God's grace is going to enable them to obey it. You see, it's God's plan for us in this local church to be a people who understand what it means to be sanctified. We are striving today in God's grace to be more and more ready for the return of Christ. And as we strive, we are able by God's grace to help others who are also struggling to wait for Christ. See, see a church is supposed to be a people who, though familiar with sin, see even more clearly the grace of God so that as we struggle, we might strive forward to wait on Christ and help others as we strive forward. This is a command that's given to us because the grace of God can change us all. I want you to notice here the very first phrase. We urge you brothers. There's no doubt that these commands apply to every single person in the church. You follower of Christ, these commands are given to you. But notice that he begins by addressing the commands to the men of the church. Not to the pastors, but to the men. And certainly by virtue of the men, applicable to everyone in the church. But note that the address is to the men. I think that's very purposeful because men... Because of the grace of God and his call on our lives, we are supposed to chart the course for the grace of God as we wait on Jesus in the local church. I mean, it's not that we've got it more together than anybody else. It's just that God's grace has chosen that we chart the course. And we need to be men in this place who are willing to obey these commands so that the church takes the cue from us at how we are supposed to look as a church. And so in large part, guys, I'm going to address you and challenge you, but I just want to tell you and remind you, this is a command from the Lord that I'm reading and challenging you with and that every man in this place is responsible for obeying the Lord as he has prescribed his commands. And you can because of the grace of God. And I want to continue to be a church and grow more to be a church where the men are setting the pace in obedience in these matters. And if we will do that, men, the church will take its cue from our leadership and dramatically change in experience for the glory of God. So, men, let's take a look at this. What kind of men are you supposed to be? The first command is to admonish the unruly. Admonish or warn those who are undisciplined. 
It'd be kind of like an Olympic athlete preparing for the Olympics. It's going to be in six months, and he goes to his coach and says, man, I've got a great workout plan. I kind of want to share with you. This is what I want to do as you coach me. And so here's my plan. I want to spend every meal time for, from now to the time of the Olympics eating my meal at McDonald's, fired up about it. And after I eat at McDonald's, I'll go home, and I kick back, watch some TV, eat some ice cream. I've got a plan to win here. And the coach would be like, you are so undisciplined and unruly, and I will admonish you because if you do this, you will lose. I mean, that's the concept here of somebody come along somebody and saying, you're not doing what will win. You are doing what will devastate you and your life and everyone around you. And we need men who are willing to chart the course, to lead the way in admonishing others who are not walking before Christ, who are willfully taking steps backward, who are not engaging in a pursuit of the Lord. And we recognize those things. We watch those things. We need to be men who are setting the example of stepping in to other men's lives and saying, look, you, you cannot continue to live like that. If you live like that, this sin will destroy you. If you're not pursuing the Lord, you cannot Even escape what sin will do to your life. You've got to be pursuing the Lord. We need to be men who are stepping into the lives of other men and admonishing them for the sake of the gospel. We need to chart the course. The next command is that we need to make sure that we are encouraging the discouraged. Those who are on the verge of giving up. They don't think they're going to make it in the faith. They don't know how they can make it through the next week. And we need to be men who are leading the way in reaching out and walking alongside those who would otherwise not make it. That takes a lot of work. You get your hands dirty. It takes a lot of time and energy and emotional effort. And you will find yourself completely spent. But I want to tell you, this is the command of Christ for the glory of the Lord. And this is how we're supposed to wait on His return. It is worth it. And we need men who say, it's worth it to get my hands dirty and help somebody that's really going to tax my life and cost me a great deal and may not make it even if I give them everything. Because we believe that the command of God is one for grace to be experienced in the church of God. And we want to help those who may not otherwise make it. Men, you've got to lead the way in this. The next command is to take an interest in the weak. You know, one of the ways I will see evidence of us being a church full of men who are leading the way and taking interest in the weak is when I see more and more men taking interest in our children and our youth and our college students. You think about the the weak among us. They're the young in the faith. They're the young in age that need someone there that's more experienced, has more wisdom to walk alongside them because they will grow much better in the Lord if some of us will walk alongside them. I mean, Lindsay's a great example. She's able to go into the the darkest parts of the earth for the cause of the gospel in part because some of you said, I'm going to take an interest in someone who needs my help. We need men who will lead the way. And I know some of you guys here this morning are thinking to yourself, I don't know how I can do that. Because right now, I feel pretty weak myself. 
I want to remind you that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he is always placing you around people in your life who are weaker in areas than you are. And that even in your weakness, God could pour out grace in your life to help someone who needs you. I think you'll be amazed at how many times if you'll follow what Christ is saying about denying yourself and looking to serve someone, how many times in your weakness, trusting the grace of God to serve someone else in their weakness will bring you great strength. Don't sell God's grace short in your life. Believe that he can give you the ability through his spirit to help those who need your help in order to grow. And we need men who will lead the way in that so that all of us will be pursuing obedience to these commands. The next command is be patient with everyone. How many of you would prefer that the with everyone not be there? I want to remind you that the patience here is not, I'm just going to let you do what you do for as long as you want to do it and I'll just deal with it. That's not patience, biblically. And what the scripture is calling us to do here is to stay in the battle for the sake of someone else, no matter what. You've got somebody you've got to admonish because they're departing from the faith. Well, then if you're patient with them, you will not give up. You will continue to stay in their life and do whatever it takes. You will fight not to lose them. You've got somebody who's weak, about to give up, about to check out. You're going to hang in there. You're going to be there no matter what through thick and thin because God's commanded you, given you the grace to be patient with everyone, even someone that you think, there's no way my patience will be used by the Lord to rescue them. Do not sell the grace of God short. Obey Him and watch Him prepare a bride ready for Christ's return. It necessitates the patience of the church. Men, we need to lead the way. We need to lead the way. Look at this next command. He says, see to it that no one pays back evil for evil to anyone but that you always pursue what is good for each other and for everyone. There it is again, our favorite word. God is calling us here to make sure that we are a place where when bad things happen to us because of the choices of other people, that we don't respond to those choices with evil in return. If, you decide, if you're new here and you decide to plug into Southside, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you so you'll know beforehand. If you plug in here, it won't be long before somebody here hurts you, makes you mad, makes you think maybe they're not even Christians. Remember, we're a people familiar with sin, and it's only because of the grace of God we can experience these commands. So it's likely that at some point, somebody is going to hurt you. You know what kind of men we need leading the way in this place? The kind of men who are aware of the reality of the pain that happens among people 
and are committed to making sure that we walk with others in this place so that people do not respond to wrongs done with more wrong, but instead respond to wrongs done with every kind of goodness the Lord can bring forth. Please don't mistake this text and, and think that this only relates to what's happening within these walls. Notice it says you're supposed to pursue good to each other, those within the church, and to everyone, those outside the church. You know what kind of men we need in this place? Kind of men who are leading the way so the rest of us will be the kind of people who say the walls of this building are no boundary to our obedience. And so when I hear about what happens in your workplace and I hear about how someone was promoted over you and I hear about how you're angry about that and how you think it's wrong and how you think you can't stand your boss, when I hear you talking about things like that as you voice your emotional response to the negative things that are happening, I'm going to come alongside you. I'm going to say, this is the church's business and you need to make sure that you respond to the wrong done with God's goodness in your workplace. This obedience of the church goes beyond the walls of the church every area of our lives is the responsibility of our church we need to encourage each other in every arena our home our leisure our workplace our school so that whenever something wrong happens and it's happening all the time in our lives right Whenever something wrong happens, somebody in the church can walk alongside of us and say, you can do this. You can return good to that evil. You can make it in this. We need to be people like that. And men, we need you to chart the course. You see, I can see in my mind's eye that as we experience the grace of God in the years to come, that we'll look back on this day and we'll say, man, God's grace was good, but wow, how much better has it become because we have experienced this passage. I mean, can you imagine if in 10 years we look back on this day and we've obeyed these commands with fervor more than ever before? Can you imagine what it'll be like in this place? Where our church is full of people, every single one of us says, I'm going to love and I'm going to acknowledge my pastors beyond measure. And I am going to take responsibility for my grace that's been given to me by God. And I'm going to obey these commands and I'm going to admonish the undisciplined. I'm going to help the weak. I'm going to encourage the discouraged. I'm going to be patient with everyone. I'm never going to return evil for evil. And I'm going to help others to do the same as I strive to obey the Lord. I am going to be faithful to these commands. That is a healthy church. A church full of people who are so familiar with their own sin that they know their rescue is only in the grace of God. And as God's grace rescues them, they seek to help others wait for Jesus. I love the idea of more and more of that. And if we live there, we will be a people with our eyes on Jesus saying, the best is yet to come. So how do you do that? That's a big order, isn't it? I think group two here of these commands is going to be really helpful to us. If you notice here in this second group of commands, you have the phrase... This is God's will for your life. So let's read through the commands and just remember that phrase. It says, rejoice always, pray constantly, 
And be thankful in all things, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus for you. Here we are, God's will for us again. Remember we had in chapter 4, verse 3, sanctification, and now we're getting it clarified a little bit. You want to know what God's will for you is? To rejoice always, to pray constantly, and to be thankful in all things. There is a connection here between those three three things and our sanctification. God's will for us is sanctification. God's will is for these three things. So think through this. If you are praying constantly in your life, you're going to find it much more difficult to step into sexual immorality? Yes, you will. If you're rejoicing at all times, how much easier is it going to be to love your brother and sister in Christ, particularly the ones that hurt you? It's going to be much easier. How is it going to be when you lose a loved one and you're called to grieve with hope even though it has crushed you? But I'm here to tell you, if you are thankful always, grieving with hope is not near as challenging if you are not a thankful person. In every way that we're being called to sanctification, these three things provide a key to moving forward to waiting for Christ. Rejoice always. Pray constantly and be thankful in all things. I don't know if you're like me, but again, I would, I would really like to just kind of strike through always, constantly, and in all things. Because then it seems a lot easier. I mean, I mean, are you like me in the fact that rejoicing comes really easy when things happen in my life that make it easy to rejoice? I mean, my team won this last week. I'm rejoicing. You know? Um... Maybe you got a raise at work. I'm rejoicing. Maybe you got good grades in your first test at school this week. You have tests this week, first week of school? Those teachers are terrible. Just kidding. I think they're awesome. <laughs> but, but if you got a good grade, you'd be like, yeah, I got a good grade. I mean, when things happen in our lives that are good and right and work out for us, what do we say? Yeah. But when things work you know, happen in our lives that don't work out for us, that are really terrible, we don't get a raise, we don't get a good grade, things fall apart, things are not working in our favor, what do we not find it easy to do in those moments? To rejoice. We find it easier in those moments to blame somebody, don't we? You don't get a good grade on your test, first thing out of your mouth is, my teacher's not a very good teacher or whatever. You, know, you start blaming, you look for reasons why you are not able to rejoice and you point a finger at somebody else. I mean, we have all kinds of natural tendencies when bad things happen and none of them are rejoicing. And yet, Scripture tells us we to rejoice always. You know what it tells me? Is that my rejoicing needs to be grounded in something that is far more significant, stable, and helpful than just the daily circumstances of my life. How am I going to be thankful in all things? Well, I've got to root my thankfulness in something more significant than what's happening in my life on a day-to-day basis? How am I going to pray constantly? How am I going to constantly say, I want to be submitted to your spirit. I want you to have access to my life. I want to be in communion with you. I want to pray when I get up. I want to pray through the day. I want to be listening to you every moment of the day so I can respond to you. How in the world am I going to move to that place unless I have rooted my heart in something far more significant than the daily events and the emotional responses I have to those events? I think what we've got to do is make sure we root our lives in the person of Jesus Christ, in the presence of His Spirit daily, 
and in the fatherhood of God. You see, God the Father gave you Jesus Christ, his son, who died on the cross and rose again so that you might experience the grace of God in receiving the spirit of God so you might have a constant daily reminder he's coming for you again and he's going to make every wrong right. Every wrong right. That you have a place with the Lord right now that you can know him, you can rest in him, you can walk with him. The fatherhood of God and the person of Christ and the presence of the Spirit is that stable foundation from which we can then rejoice always, pray constantly, and be thankful in all things. You see, this is God's will for our lives. And if it's God's will for our lives, He must be prepared to give us the grace to experience it. And if we do, focus on the personhood of God, the fatherhood of God, the grace of God, and we move more and more towards, because of God's grace, being thankful and rejoicing and prayerful. I think we're going to find all these other commands of sanctification just falling right in line. You know what we're going to experience? We're going to experience being the body of Christ, the family of God, who is more and more waiting on the turn of Christ, and we will rejoice in the glory of God no matter what we face. That's what I want. That's what we all need. And that's what God has promised. Now I want to tell you something real quickly before we finish up today about me. I felt like it would be really inappropriate for me to come in and preach this sermon and not be honest about where I'm at in my life right now. I don't, want, I don't want Southside to be the kind of church where people come in this place and they feel like they have to put on smiles because they can't just be real about how they're doing. And so I really want to tell you about how I'm doing today and I'm not doing very good. Um, I could probably classify myself into the category of the discouraged and the weak this morning. And... I'm hoping that by me sharing with you where I'm at today would encourage the rest of you to realize that it's okay. It's okay to talk about where you're at and how you're doing. This is a great place to find encouragement and help. To find somebody to walk alongside you who will not give up on you. Who says to you, I will be there and I will not be moved. And I'm not going to let you go. On Wednesday of this week, I received a phone call from one of my closest friends. From the time we were child, childhood friends, I, I actually, in high school, lived with he and his family. We shared a bedroom. He's like my brother. He's a pastor in another city. And on Wednesday, he called and told me that he was resigning this morning. He has already resigned as of right now because of moral failure. And it just has devastated my heart. I had the hardest time having the emotional capacity to prepare a sermon. I felt like I could never make it to today at 12.05. And I have just been dying inside. And uh, I'm so thankful that on Monday and Tuesday, as I opened this scripture and I began to work through it and I began to feel the weight of rejoice always, Pray constantly. Be thankful in all things. That then on Wednesday is like, okay, 
I commanded you to do this. Guess what? In this unforeseeable circumstance, I've got the grace you need. You know what part of that grace is? Being able to come and tell you that I am discouraged and to know that you will walk by me no matter what. And and I just want to encourage you this morning, if you're here and you're discouraged and you feel like you're weak, you feel like maybe I've been doing some things I need to be admonished, and maybe it's not like what I've gone through, but it's your own thing, I just want you to know this is a great place to find somebody, to be a part of a community where people are saying, hey, I'm striving, I'm struggling, and maybe right now I'm not in the place you're in and I can help you, but maybe I'll be there in three weeks and then you can help me. This is a great place. And and I'm just asking today if we might all ask the question of the Lord, how do you want me to obey your commands today? Because if you're weak and discouraged, there's a matter of obedience here. If you're not weak and discouraged today, there's a matter of obedience here. And every bit of it has to do with the grace of God meeting us where we're at so that we will be a people today who say, no matter what is happening right now, because of the grace of God, we know the best is yet to come. We're not giving up. We're going to rejoice together. We're going to pray together. We're going to be thankful together for the glory of Jesus Christ as we wait for him to return.